Welcome to Beyond the Crops, the podcast where we share the real and raw behind the scenes of conventional farming and what it's like to raise a family on America's backroads. I'm MP. And I'm Jenna. Today, we have the pleasure of interviewing my dear grandmother. She's 96 years young. She's been a farm girl her entire life, and I'm so proud to be her granddaughter and share a little bit of her spunk and wisdom with you. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited. This is such a special episode to have you on, Treva. We are very excited. So this is my grandma's very first podcast appearance. She, I actually just taught her what podcasts are. You hadn't heard of them, had you? Yes, I'll have to get into that. <laughs> I told her I'd show her on her iPad how she can listen to them. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. So I am so excited to have my grandma Treva on our podcast today. I'm very proud to be her granddaughter. She's 96 years young. We both had birthdays last week, actually. And my grandma was born on a farm and then she married a farmer. So she spent her entire life on a farm. She actually just moved off the farm last summer after her 95th birthday. Uh, my grandpa passed away in the eighties. So she lived out there alone for geez, grandma, 35, six years, 30, 36 years. Um, so she passed away in 19 uh, and 20 and I'll say 1985. Yeah. So she's an incredibly strong woman and she's had lots of years as a farm daughter and a farm wife. And we're excited to talk to her today. I have chills. I feel like we have such a rich, rich history between the three of us in farming, and it's just very special to be able to interview someone who has been through so much in the industry. So thank you so much for being with us today to talk about it's it. It's very different than it was back when you kids were born, and certainly <laughs> it's different back when I was born. Can you tell us a little bit about your family farm and the farm that you grew up on? Well, the farm I grew up on is not the house anymore that... It was when I was born because my parents built a new house and had that one moved to Kearney, sold it, moved it to Kearney. And now my grandson, John, lives on that place and they farm it. And we have farmed that place since about in the family since 1907. Wow. What did you guys grow or what did you raise on the farm? Well, when uh, I was a little girl, we had corn, just commercial corn. And uh, then later, in, in, uh, when the soybeans became popular, my dad started so, uh, raising soybeans uh, as part of a rotation crop. And dad was always a, a real progressive farmer. Uh, we didn't have a lot of association with the university at that time, but uh, he kept up with modern farming. And when I was very, very little, I can remember my dad hitching up the team of wagons and going to the field, particularly when he shucked corn and shucked it by hand with a shucker on his hand and through the ears of corn into a big wagon then that was pulled in and dry, made in a pile until it uh, cured out a little drier and then in the winter farmers would get together and have a shelling bee and there would be probably as many as um, we would cook for about 12 people I can remember about 12 men coming in for their noon lunch and 
and mother would cook that meal for them. Then when they finished our shelling, they'd go to the neighbors and they'd all do that. And she'd be cooking for the shelling people. That's so, so cool. A time when they did the shelling of the corn. That How is so old cool. were you when you started helping with things around your the childhood farm? Do you want to know? Yeah. <laughs> we want to know. Well, I was a little girl, probably nine, ten years old. And my dad raised a lot of potatoes. And uh, in the when he started harvesting potatoes, my brother or my mother had a brother who had farmed up north of Gibbon in the hills. And they burned out every year. He'd plant that corn and... It just did not make, it just didn't get enough rain. So he would come down and work for my dad. And uh, we got in a truck and uh, they would pick up these potatoes and uh, put them in a sack of about 50 pounds and then uh, put them, uh, set them aside. Then the truck would come down, pick up these potatoes. So one day my uncle Elwin asked my mother, could Treva come and uh, maybe steer the truck down through the field? <laughs> and my mother said, sure, she could, because Uncle Elwin was right there. You know, she probably wouldn't have sent me out with a, a bunch of men, uh, you know, alone as a little girl. But Uncle Elwin was there, and he was real reliable. So he would uh, put the truck in what he called grandma, which was that low, low gear. <laughs> yeah. Called it grandma at that time. <laughs> I would steer the truck down. Well, after we did that for a while, I said, you know, I think I could turn that thing around. So I got to where I could turn it around and hit it back and I could push the throttle in. Well, we did that for years. Uh, then finally, when I got to be, uh, I suppose I was 16 and probably in college, this was during the war, and we did not have a lot of help. In fact, it was kids about my age, about 16-year-old boys, and I was responsible for the truck, and uh, I was doing the driving. Uh, I drove the truck. These guys, I kept them working kept loading that potatoes and having them load those sacks so that when we went over the railroad, they wouldn't fall off. And I drove the truck into Gibbon. Uh, and uh, my dad was in the field digging and I was driving that truck. And uh, we would back into the potato shed and there was only room enough for a man to walk on either side of the truck. And I had to back that into that stall so they could unload those trucks. And I shudder to think of how a 16-year-old girl would be responsible for a truckload of potatoes. But we did it. We got through the war, and, and uh, that's how you helped. Well, then Dad and I would get up about 4 o'clock, and we'd go out to the field, and I would run the tractor for him. I would drive the tractor. He would ride the picker or the the corn digger. I, I mean the potato digger. And uh, if that digger was too low, it would cover the potatoes. If it was 
too high, it would slice them. Mm. So he had a level that uh, went up and down like that, and he gauged how deep that uh, uh, digger was going. It was only a one-row digger at the time, and I drove the tractor. Then when uh, the men came out with belts, what they called picking belts on, picked the potatoes up Mm. in a gunny sack, and uh, they were in a row, and then they would put set them over to the side. So then when Dad and I got enough potatoes for a truckload, I'd go to truck, drive the truck, take it into town, unload it, come back, we'd start all over. Then sometimes when it got so hot in the afternoon, we had to quit because that would sunburn the potatoes, oh, and we couldn't have that. And then uh, we would go back in the evening and start, the men would come out from uh, town or wherever and put the belts on, pick up potatoes again, and we'd do that at night again. And so sounds that's like how potato harvest went. Sounds like a very delicate process. And but- then once in a while, I would go to field and help dad drive a tractor, but I didn't do an awful lot of that because I had a brother who was five years older than I was, and he helped in the field also with irrigating and with mm-hmm. with uh, driving some too, but mainly dad and I was doing the potato stuff. Do you remember farming before you guys had your first tractor? Because I'm guessing they did everything hand in yes, horseback. I, I barely remember that. I was born in 1927, and uh, I can remember Dad uh, sat or harnessing up the the team of horses and uh, going to the field to plant. Mm-hmm. But then I also remember his first tractor. Mm-hmm. It was a John Deere, and it had big, wide uh, wheels on it and lugs on it. And uh, it was kind of a little short, squatty tractor. And I remember he was pretty modern. He was pretty good about getting, when things progressed and got more modern, he would right away hook into that. And that was a tractor. And I remember him driving that. And then I also remember his next one was just the opposite. It also was a John Deere, but it had what they call spider wheels. And they were extremely narrow with uh, not a series of lugs on it, which dug into the ground and kept it going, but it had the lugs in more of a straight row and a very narrow wheel. I remember that. And then I I don't have a real like. I guess I never paid much attention for a while. I remember when he started driving the farmall tractors, the red ones, and that was a big, uh, a big um, improvement. And uh, those John Deere's kind of drove like this. That's the way you steered them. But uh, when he got the International Harvester uh, tractors, they drove like a car. Now, I know these tractors you're talking about didn't have a cab on them. Do you remember oh, when you got goodness, them? goodness, <laughs> no. <laughs> I re- do you remember when they made the advancement to a tractor with a cab? Yes, I do. Were you married by that point? I, I was. Well, no, I don't know. I wasn't married by then because I went through high school and then I graduated and I went on to college mm-hmm. and in Kearney, and at that time it was the Kearney State Teachers College, 
and I got my degree for uh, teaching uh, kindergarten and then went on and got the, uh, also finished all my requirements except one that I couldn't get uh, to get a uh, secondary degree so I could teach in high school. So then I taught school a year after I graduated and that was before we were married. Where'd you meet Grandpa at? Well, actually, at Gibbon Baptist Church, best place on earth to meet a good <laughs> husband. <laughs> oh, I love that so That's much. What I always told my kids, go to churches for meeting your husbands <laughs> and don't be going to no pool hall or anything. <laughs> Just go, go to the church. That's a good place. And finally, we started dating <laughs> and we dated for five years all the time. I went through, I was a senior in high school when we actually started dating and uh, I went and I, that was important to me that I was going through college. Well, then when I graduated, he thought maybe we'd get married and he had gone to college and he had gone to the University of Nebraska and taken agriculture. And um, he thought maybe we'd get married, but I said, no, I've lived at home all the time that I went through college, and um, I got to be sure I can support myself. Well, then he had a chance to rent a farm, and farmland was not real easy to rent at that time. And so he had that decision. Was he going to finish his last semester of college, or was he going to farm? So he chose to take the farm. <laughs> so then awesome. after... Um, uh, we were married in 1949. Uh, I uh, there was an, an opening came in uh, Gibbon to teach home economics, and uh, so I taught a year in Gibbon before we started having a family. And then I stayed home on the on the farm, and we farmed. And then after Wendell passed away, I started keeping the farm books. Rodney and Arlen farmed, and. And uh, we had a sheep yard and a lot of sheep. And Arlen managed the sheep. Rodney managed the farmland. And it was such a blessing that when the boys graduated from college with both of them ag degrees, <clears throat> and they really wanted to come back and farm, I can remember Wendell saying to him, now do you really want to come back and farm? Well, yeah, they wanted to come back and farm. So Rodney did the, the field work, and he said, if my boys come back to farm, they will not be hired men. They will be partners. And so they were partners with him. And when he passed away, the boys had a good handle on everything and and were able to step in. It was, you know, he had worked on the farm all his life, too, with them, right with them. But they had a real good handle on what to do, how to do it, because they'd been a partner. They'd had a part of the operation, and uh, they did a good job. Well, we kind of needed somebody in an office to take care of some book work. So I was free to do that, and uh, I kept the books for, oh, until I had some cancer surgery, mm -hmm. and uh, then I didn't go back, but I was getting to be into the 
what, almost 90 years oh my goodness. of age. <laughs> wow. That's but incredible. I, I've always regretted. I, I hated I missed. I Even after I had to kind of quit, I really missed keeping the books. And, and just to, so she's 96. I think I was engaged when you had your cancer surgery because I came to see you in the hospital. And I'm I, sure. That's when you saw my ring for the first time. So Levi and I have been married for eight years. So she, my grandma just quit doing the farm books about eight years ago. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, I That's did. dedication. Yeah, I did. But Rodney does them now and he, he does a computer. I um <clears throat> I wasn't real smart on that computer. So speaking of technology, Grandma, there's been insane agriculture advancements in your lifetime. Oh my goodness, and still is. Now they can just be in those uh, combines and tell what the corns are making and mm -hmm. where the spot hot spots and and the weak spots are and. It, it is amazing. It's mind-boggling almost. Looking back over your lifetime on the farm, what was the biggest advancement that really changed life on the farm? Is there one that you can pinpoint? I would say one of the big deals is this Roundup Ready corn uh -huh. where they can spray instead of going through the field and cutting out sunflowers by hand. And my I dad used to that. pay us 10 cents a cocklebur to get them out of the pastures. Yeah. <laughs> it was worth more than that, I think. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember when you went from like a picker and then shucking the corn by hand to an actual combine? Oh, yes, <laughs> I sure do. And it was only a two row one. Wow. We oh. started out with a two row uh, that they were doing, and then it went to four and to six, and, and goodness, it's up to. I, I'm not sure what it is anymore. I know it's more than 16. Yeah. Yeah, they make big machines now. Oh, definitely. So big that if I would be driving over at the office and see a combine even coming or a tractor with a uh, uh, hoe or a uh, cultivator on it, mm -hmm. I would pull in off of an intersection and wait till they got by because mm -hmm. never did I want to see a tractor turn over because it was crowded off of the side of the road to meet me. <laughs> right. I gave him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> when you and grandpa, when grandpa left college to farm that one field that he had an opportunity to farm, how long was it just one field? Because back in the day, you farmed a lot less ground because well, yes. there wasn't the technology that we oh, have now. Oh, no, no, no. And they picked it, you know, even they picked it by hand then. He and a neighbor worked together because it took two of them, one to haul the corn and one to pick it. So and, did was he doing like one quarter that first field? Uh, yes, I think it was about a, it was about a quarter. Uh -huh. It belonged to a doctor here in Kearney. And uh, we started out farming on a 50-50 basis. Our expenses were all 50-50 and so was our uh our debts were 50-50. So it was really a good way for a young farmer to get started farming. So then you and grandpa lived through some really hard years in farming. How did you guys make it through the 80s in farming and then other hard times? By frugal living. Of course, I. our first year I taught school, you know. Uh -huh. So we kind of lived on what I and everything else went in the farm. Uh, but we were, fr we didn't 
charge a bunch of stuff that, to our charge accounts. We, in fact, we didn't have any. And you bought what you could. We lived frugal. We raised a garden. I had chickens. We raised our own eggs. And uh, we lived very frugal. I mm-hmm. canned. And they, we didn't spend what we didn't have. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really go without. I can't say that I sacrificed a lot. You just, mm-hmm. you just didn't spend more than you had. And that's part of the kids' farm problems, I think, today. They're not as frugal. They don't, they spend more than they, they can charge stuff and you pay interest on that charging money. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we didn't do that. We, we got through and I don't think we ever suffered. Mm-hmm. At all, and then finally we bought into, bought more land, mm-hmm. and uh, as we could, and had to take a loan on it and paid it off. What right. did you tell me when I got here about taking out a loan for land? I said you just as well pay a down payment on a farm as to pay rent. But I, I'm glad your kids are because that's growth. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. you have to step out and take a risk. Mm-hmm. You want to make it a good one, but you've got to step out and take a risk and work for it. Mm -hmm. You said your dad was a progressive farmer, and I remember you saying grandpa was a pretty progressive farmer. He was. Was he a good risk taker? Yes, he was. He was. But I tell you, some of that land was hard to pay for when uh, that interest went up. Uh And we had bought some at that time when it went up, and it it was a struggle, mm-hmm. but I guess trusting in God, and he brings you through. That's right. <laughs> and to God be the glory. We say that over and over, to God be the glory, because sometimes we didn't know how we really did it. Mm-hmm. It was just his help. <laughs> so Jenna and I have talked about that. We don't know how anybody does it without a true faith in God, I this, this life. <laughs> So I do. My dad has three siblings, and so they all grew up out on the farm. How old were they when you had them start helping around? Well, what Arlen used to say, as soon as we can reach the tits on the cow. (laughs) (laughs) I can relate to that so deeply. Pat grew up on a dairy farm. Oh, really? That's kind of an expression, I guess. Yeah, we can say that. (laughs) We had a parlor when I was young enough to remember. I think we built it in 1993, and I was born in 91. And my dad used to put up a five-gallon pail so that I could stand up on it and reach the cows, and then I would kick the bucket to each cow. So I can really relate to that. <laughs> well, I remember as a child, my dad always milked one or two cows, mm-hmm. enough to keep us in milk and cream. And mother would sell, they would keep the cream in the ice box and put it in a can a big a five-gallon can eventually, and it would be shipped to Lakeville, Illinois, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And so you'd take it down, I think, on a certain night of the week to the depot, and it was set on the um, uh, dock, and the train would stop and pick that up and take that uh, cream, and then they would get a check for the cream. And then they would, that train would send your cream can back to you, right? It would. Because I have grandpa's cream can. On yes. I, I was so glad you found that Me and that too. you've got that. Yeah. Jenna. 
Me too. <laughs> so Because cool. I want to keep that in the family. Yes. It, it wasn't so important at the time, but it is now. Oh, absolutely. But it's in the family. It is special because my grandpa died before I was born, so I never he got did. to meet him. But I've heard wonderful things about him, and it's special to have that with his name on it on my porch. I remember, well, we you guys had irrigation, right? We did. Well, Mary Pat lives in an area where there's not a ton of irrigation. They have a little, but not a oh. lot. And it didn't, wasn't it Farm Bureau that brought people out from Iowa that had never seen irrigation before? Yes, yes, we did. In fact, my first uh, uh, experience in irrigation was when my dad, my dad always had irrigation. Our, we, were, we were fortunate, and that's probably why uh, we were so fortunate uh, with technology, with tractors, up, updated machinery, and uh, with buying property was because he, we always had a crop because of this irrigation. Mm -hmm. And uh, he would make laugh during the winter. He would uh, pound together, laugh into a little square, and then they dug a ditch, and the water came out of the pump into the ditch and then they had to be down at the field at just the right time when that water got down there because if they didn't it overflowed and siphoned those tubes over mm -hmm. no they they split they buried them they buried them mm -hmm. and then we went to siphon tubes mm -hmm. from those from these laugh boxes then they would have to be down there and siphon it out well us kids help siphon too. I bet. We helped irrigate on the farm and all of us did. And uh, then after they, uh, and they did that for years till finally the pivots came in. And Got, then was it, was it Farm Bureau that brought people out to tour it or how did that work? This was, uh, it was when Wendell was president and uh, he had made contacts with, knew the Iowa Farm Bureau president uh -huh. real well. And there was a busload of people that wanted to tour irrigation <laughs> and they asked if they could come to our farm. So uh, he said, of course. So they brought that busload out and he toured them of many farms and many places in Nebraska that uh, they had did other touring also, but showed them the farm operation mm -hmm. at that time. So I said, well, we just well have a party out of it. <laughs> so after they toured the uh, irrigation, <clears throat> he came in, they busload came into our yard. And of course, the girls all needed a little restroom. By <laughs> and that was fine because I could supply that farm. <laughs> and uh, I set up a table and I had made a whole bunch of cookies of lots of kinds. Uh -huh. And we had a real nice cookie and ice tea and lemonade party. I love that. That was fun. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> I thought one more thing. You asked me, uh, I think Jenna asked me, what was the greatest thing that changed farming? The greatest thing was electricity on the farm. Oh, wow. That was deal. the very greatest. I remember studying a lot by lamplight, just Aladdin lamplight. Then I think I was... I just don't remember how old I was, but I think I could have been about 12 maybe when we finally got electricity. We'd, my dad had had the house, he 
uh, had an electrician come and our house was wired for electricity several months before it, before the line came through and we had electricity. But I will never forget the day that he came to school and got us and, and uh, we went home and we had electricity. It was great. And That's they so very crazy. Soon, when, when it was hooked up, we had lights. And then that was when uh, we very soon had an electric refrigerator. Otherwise, we had an ice box wow. in the kitchen. And an ice box was a little wooden thing that had a place for a great big case of ice. And every so often, probably, and I don't remember, maybe it was once a week and maybe more, a ice man would come with a truckload of ice and he would carry in that ice and put in our ice box. Wow. And that was the most refrigeration we had. And then every wow. night before my dad went to bed, he had this ice would melt and drip down into a drip pan underneath. So he would have to go dump this water mm -hmm. so it didn't overflow on the floor. And uh, so when we finally got a refrigerator, it was wonderful. That's have. something my generation takes for granted. For yes, sure. it is. definitely. But that was that was different. That was when we started putting down irrigation wells uh -huh. and, and uh, really making progress on the farm when we had uh, had the irrigate or the electricity. That was probably the biggest the biggest improvement that happened, and it was wow, wow. So. We have, I've been wanting to know this from you. Both Jenna and I are farm wives, of course, and you have a lot of experience farming. So what advice would you give us in our younger years farming? Well, Jenna said to me one day, I know I think it was Kara, mm -hmm. who said to me one day, Grandma, when you came to my bridal shower, I don't think that was, that was Kara, I mm -hmm. think. And she says, Grandma, I'll never forget what you said. And I shattered. I think I went <laughs> like this. Because sometimes Grandma never knows what she has said. <laughs> she said, everyone went around and give, all, give the bride some advice. And she said, I'll never forget what you said to me. And I said, what did I say <laughs> when I got the nerve to ask her? And she said, you were the last one that in the row. They started and went around the circle, and you happened to be the last one. And she said, you said, uh, Kara, you was not brought up on a farm. But this would be the advice. Everyone told her about, oh, this and that, you know, funny things. But she said, you said, when now a farm life is a little different than what you've been brought up. And your husband may have to go pull a calf in the middle of the night, he may come in late at night that you've held supper and uh, you may plan to do something and at the last minute you just come, it's impossible mm -hmm. because of things that are happening on the farm. He can't get away and so you can't either. So she said, "I." so I said to her, I said, when he comes home and he's all dirty and uh, he wants to take a shower, 
so that he can clean up and eat supper when he's nice and clean and you can sit down and talk about the day. Why, I want you to smile, give him a kiss, and zip your lap. (laughs) She she says, Grandma, I couldn't believe it, but that's what you said. (laughs) And I said, I can't believe I did it either, but that's the advice I'd give you. Zip your lap. (laughs) That's great advice. You don't dwell on those things. You're happy about it. You're happy that they came in, that they're coming in, and they're coming home for supper. And after all, all that those farmers do is not for them. It's for your family. And you have to think about that, all those hard hours. And things aren't always easy for them to give up either. Sometimes they make choices. It takes a really strong support system on a farm. And that's great advice for us. And I'll have to say she's doing a great job. (laughs) I hope she's listening. Neither was Jenna, but she's doing a great job too. (laughs) I, I said, I'm just proud of my two daughters, granddaughters who are farmers' wives and have such good husbands. They couldn't have done better. They just got good husbands. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. And I love that. You've lived a really long life, Grandma, and you're in great health and you're sharp as a tack. What's your secret to longevity? Faith in God. <laughs> to God be the glory. <laughs> that's perfect. It, what kind of legacy do you want to leave with being a farm wife and a farm daughter and growing an incredible family? Is that, I guess, what's your legacy or how would you define success in your life, I would Grandma? say... Living on a farm is wonderful. It's a good place to be, to raise a family. Uh, Farm people are good people. Somehow, it just seems like they have an attitude that other people don't have. Mm -hmm. And that's an attitude of work. Work for what you earn and don't expect a handout from anybody. Right. And uh, I tell you... my day and age, until the last few years, people worked. They spent what they what they have could afford, bought what they could afford, and we don't need everything. Mm-hmm. You can be just as happy with whatever you need if your needs are met as you can with a bunch of greedy luxury. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I guess we're just happy with what we got and satisfied and. And you may, and that's an attitude. Mm-hmm. You either make yourself satisfied or unsatisfied. Right. And that's the way I feel about living here. I just made my mind up that it was the thing I needed to do. I was getting to the age where I really shouldn't be out there during the winter uh, when it storms and you could be without electricity and heat and no one could get to you sometimes. Right. But I'd say faith in God's the main thing. It's a great message to leave us with. Thank you so much for being with us today and talking with us. That's what grandmas are here for. Uh-huh. Grandmas are here here to help their kids, their grandkids, and their great-grandkids. And I, I really like being around mine. Well, Grandma, I admire you and I love you so much. I'm proud to be your granddaughter. <laughs> well, I love you too, and I'm proud of you. <laughs> and- <laughs> 
Thank you for letting me come and bring all my stuff. And, and you've for- had to, you and I've had some pretty good talks together. We have, we? and I cherish those. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Thanks for being on our podcast, Grandma. Oh, we I'm sure glad to do that any time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll come back then. And it yes. was real nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. I've I heard so you, much about you. So I hope you come see me. Oh, <gasps> let's try. I'd be when I come so to happy. Nebraska, that would be so I'd fun. Be so happy to show you around. <laughs> I love that. Thank That's you so much. Thing. Remember to subscribe for notifications when new episodes drop every Tuesday. Leave us a review or share us to your stories for a chance to win this month's giveaway and find us outside of the podcast on our social channels linked in the show notes. See you next time.